This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So what I loved about that song is that it speaks to the bridge that is timeless, which is part of what the resurrection is all about. The, the love that we have surpasses time and space. It doesn't matter where somebody is when they are in our hearts. They're already, they're already here. And, and so love is bigger than the physical. When we, we think we're separate from somebody, we think because we broke up with them or because they moved or because they died that there is a separation and separation is illusion. They live always in our hearts. So with, with the resurrection in the early church, it was a powerful experience. And I want to first address just literally, historically, what happened. We get all our information about that from the Bible. And in the Bible, in the Gospels, we hear stories about how after dying on the cross, Jesus showed up again. He, people thought he was a gardener. He sat down and he had, he had food with people. He's walking along with them. He shows up. He says, put your, put your fingers in my side and, and see that really I have a wound. So it's sort of suggesting that his body resuscitated, right? If you believe in the story of the resurrection, you probably have always thought his body got up and moved around. His body was missing from the tomb. And that's not true. Those are stories, they're sacred stories. And the way that we know that that's not true is because the writings of Paul which were writings to the early church that talked about what was important to the early church. Those were written about 20 years after the death of Jesus. The Gospels weren't written until at the earliest 60 years. No, 30 years. 30 years to 60 years is when the Gospels were written. In the writings of Paul, there is no mention of a resuscitated Jesus. He has no stories about how Jesus showed up. Instead, he talks about appearances, including to himself, and he had never physically met Jesus. So he's talking about an experience that is transcendental. He's talking about, and many of us have had those experiences, right? An experience where we, we have slipped the bonds of the material world and we are experiencing something that is so much bigger. I know that many people in this room have had that experience. So when Jesus has died physically, He has 
manage to slip into a space that is not just transcendent, but is so powerful that he is able to communicate to others his presence. And people have experiences of that. And those experiences are so powerful that they start a movement. Now, most of us have heard speakers in our day that are like, whoa, that, that really got to me, that message got to me, it was so powerful, I will follow that person. At some point in time, we have, we have felt that, we believed in them. And so Jesus is coming to people after he has died with that kind of power and they want, to, they want to be like that. They, they are believing his message. The, the word church, which is you know, not our favorite word in this community, we prefer sanctuary, wild soul sanctuary or community, but church comes from an old Irish word that means it's kirka, and it means a swelling. There is a swelling of energy that happens in those years because the message of Jesus, who is an ascended master, not God any more than the rest of us are God because God is not a person. God is not a super person who had one son. God is an energy the creative force that put all life into form, including us. So, and speaking of that, it's really important to understand the whole crucifixion thing. We have been raised with the idea that Jesus had to die in order to satisfy his father, right? And those of us who think about that, especially if we've had kids, we think, what kind of father would need to sacrifice their son to make up for a sin from way back at the beginning of time? What kind of crazy God would that be? So the thing is, that's not why Jesus died. Has nothing to do with that. That came about, I learned this recently, that came about in around 1100 during the feudal years. So do you remember like the Three Musketeers, for example, you've read those stories and somebody insults someone else or they, they take a glove and they go smack. And what happens next? Well, that was such an insult to my honor that now I must duel to the death. In the feudal society, there was this idea of honor and shame, and, and blood had to be spilled to restore honor. So remember, you can only like Einstein said, you can't solve a problem on the level it was created. You have to raise to a higher level of consciousness. From 
inside the feudal system. That was their paradigm. It's not our paradigm. We're stuck in our own paradigm. But that paradigm is not ours. And so we can clearly see that that doesn't make sense. But from inside that paradigm, it was the only thing that made sense. And so they took the story, and all sacred stories are malleable. We suit them to who we are at this point in our lives. And so they took that story, and they framed it from within a feudal system. And they said, Jesus had to die to restore the honor of his father. And it had to be somebody who was a god themselves, or it wouldn't work. But all of that was made up. The reason that Jesus had to die was because he was passionate about his message that the kingdom is within and that you, everything starts with spirit. And he kept talking about that and he went, he went purposely to Jerusalem, which was a hotbed, not thinking, oh, this will be a nice walk in the park, they have pretty flowers there. No, he went knowing that this was a dangerous move for him if his priority was his physical body. He went knowing that the actions that he took, we talked last week about overturning the, the money changers' t um, tables. So he is disrupting the Roman peace. And as he does this, he's attracting attention to the power of Rome, which took swift action, and they did what they would do to anyone who committed their idea of treason, disrupting the peace. They crucified him, but he didn't care because what was important to him was that he was an agent of a society that was founded in spirit, where people were more important than anything else. That's what he lived for, and that's what he died for. Now, what actually happened is he was in that field. He didn't have all these characters that were surrounding him on the cross. All that story is made up. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. Sacred story, like any story, has messages for us. It doesn't have to be historical fact to be important. Think about the stories that you've grown up with, the stories that have made the most impact, that touch your hearts. They aren't necessarily true stories. Most of them probably are not true stories. But they still touch us. They guide us. And his story is like that. So when we hear about the crucifixion, 
we begin to understand the code that the early church understood because they created that story. So on the cross, what is he doing? He's not complaining. He's not saying, oh, this hurts, although certainly it would have. He is focused on others, the story of the thieves on either side of him. He's talking to the one that, that is acknowledging there's something here, there's something important. This, this man knows something. In the story, that thief is recognizing that he hasn't walked a good path in life. That's what got him here. But he's acknowledging that this, this one is exuding power and light. And he's, he is rewarded by Jesus. He's saying, you'll be with me in paradise. And where is paradise? Not a destination resort. It's within. Your attitude is transforming you so that you recognize and are one with the light within. That's what he's telling him. He's, he's putting out forgiveness for all those who have been instrumental in putting him here. He's not harboring anger and resentment, though he certainly could have. In the story, he's experienced betrayal. He's been, he's been nothing but a good person, and yet he's being crucified. And so the message, the code, is don't hang on to whatever happened, whatever it was, no matter how horrible it was, no matter how wrong they were. Don't hang on to that. Let it go. Forgive. Because we are here to be an outpouring of love and life. And he embodied that so much. In the story, Thursday was probably a Passover meal, and they're together, and he's saying, this is my body, this is my blood, eat and drink. And what's important about that story is that historically, sacrifices were made, people's body and blood, or animal body and blood, were spilled to the God of their understanding. And here, the God of their understanding is offering its own body and blood to the people. The divine is reaching out to us. That's what that means. So Jesus is in a place of outpouring of love, outpouring of life, the message is that that is always flowing forth for us. And because we are that, the divine is not outside of us. The divine is everywhere, and we are that, and that is what we are here to do, is be an outpouring of love and life.
when we look at nature, we see the same message of life that goes on. It changes form. So his form changed. The resurrection is about a change of form, a transformation, like the butterfly to the caterpillar to the butterfly. We change form from ice to water to vapor. If you've ever been in the southeast in the summer, you know well about humidity. You know, it's, but it's still the same, the same chemistry. Life goes on. I even read recently that during the Ice Age, when it was believed that the entire planet was a ball of ice, they have found, um, what's the word, not relics, but specimens of, of um, shard-covered multi-organisms, yeah, fossils, that, that were existing during that time, kind of a mushy, seaweedy substance within the ice. So even in circumstances that seemed completely alien to life, life was happening. There is a force there that continues to grow. It will not be eliminated, no matter what gets in the way. Because there's nothing that could get in the way that is more powerful than the force that we call God, that creative energy. And that's who we are. So we look at our circumstances, the crucifixions that happen in our lives, the things that are so difficult that we don't know how are we going to get through this. And what the resurrection is teaching us is the kingdom of heaven is within. Go within. Remember who you are. Remember what you are. You are the power of life. You are the power of love. Let that flow, attend to that. And as we do that, as we do that, we are transcended, our vibration raises. And from that higher vibration, anything is possible. We can create the world that we long for. And that's what we're about here in this community. We're saying that when we look out at the world and all the circumstances that are so bad, that are so unfair for so many, that there is a power that's greater than that, and we are it. It's not up to someone else. And we believe in a microcosmic world. So as microcosms of the macro, if we change it within, it isn't that there's nothing for us to do in the material world. It's that it starts within. And if we go from focusing on suffering and what's wrong to focusing on love and gratitude and life, then we affect the whole. And when we do that as a community, the power is amplified. That's why we gather. 
yes, it feels good and it's fun and we see our friends and we sing cool songs and we do ceremonies and there's lots of laughter and all that's great and something bigger is happening here. Each one of us is an energy body. And as we come, whether we're coming online or we're coming in the room, because time and space are illusions. So we are all gathering. And as we do that, and we listen and we take in, and we allow ourselves to be realigned, as we do that, and everyone is doing that, there is an energy that is happening. And those who are sensitive to energy can feel it. For some people, we walk in a room and we say, oh, the energy feels really good in here. And other people can see all the colors flying. But I know that who we are, who we truly are, the divinity of us is happening here. It's happening now. And together, we are sending out into our world a power that cannot, it's, it's so much bigger than any legislation that we could hope for. Yes, legislation is important. It will make changes in the world, but not the kind of change that is needed. That's a change in consciousness, and that happens from within. And that happens when we support each other in doing that. So as we look at the flowers that start to bloom, eventually they're going to start to bloom. <laughs> <laughs> this is what to remember. So it is. <laughs> and I, I want to I share this poem um, Ada Limon, who is the Poet Laureate currently for the United States, wrote instructions on not giving up. And as she's writing this, there's a lot of, a lot of imagery about springtime and all the flowers. And, and you can remember last year when you saw the flowers on the trees, and, and it's going to happen again, but... More than the fuchsia funnels breaking out of the crabapple tree, more than the neighbor's almost obscene display of cherry limbs shoving their cotton candy-colored blossoms to the slate sky of spring rains, it's the greening of the trees that really gets to me. When all the shock of white and taffy, the world's baubles and trinkets, Leave the pavement strewn with the confetti of aftermath. The leaves come, patient, plodding, a green skin growing over whatever winter did to us. A return to the strange idea of continuous living despite the mess of us, the hurt, the empty. Fine then, I'll take it, the tree seems to say, a new slick leaf unfurling like a fist to an open palm. I'll take it all.
So we take. We take whatever it is that life has to offer us. We take it with gratitude. We take it with love. We take it as a reminder that we are the life force here for a very important reason. We are here to light the world, never anything else. No matter what comes along that seems to kill us, it's not a permanent thing. Life goes on. The resurrection power is in our cell. It's our code for life. Namaste.